0: You guys, you guys coming out of the cave right there. That's pretty cool. A little tweaky. Hi, everybody. Guys, how are you guys doing? We just got back from Atlanta and had a lot of fun. And uh, that's a good place, Bethel Atlanta. Has a little ring to it, I think. Hey, um, I I want to uh, pray for just some people tonight. Um, you're really struggling with fear um, I just saw someone just holding their, their, uh, their head in their, in their hands and just uh, felt like they're, like they're going crazy from the stress they're under if you're under extreme stress would you stand right now we're just going to pray for you you're under extreme stress I feel like there's some people right here that God wants to just give you supernatural peace when I mean supernatural, I mean it's beyond your comprehension. It's more than you. The the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. And I just I just think we're supposed to pray for these folks. And if you're watching by iBethel TV, you can do what you do. Stand. Put your potato chips down. Whatever. <laughs> I'm not sure what you do when you watch when you watch preacher. <laughs> Yeah, the Popcorn, whatever it is, but um, we're just going to pray for these folks right here Yeah, just just lay your hands on these folks You're close to them and, and I just want you to release peace over them right now You know, when the disciples When Jesus sent the disciples out at, and told them I want you to stay in a home And when you get to the home, I want you to say, peace be with you and he said, if they're people of peace, he said, the peace will rest on them. And these are people of great peace right here that are standing. And they, there's some, somehow the enemy's in there trying to steal their peace. But we thank, we thank the Lord that his name is Prince of Peace. And it says, the Prince of Peace shall crush Satan under your feet. And so peace is actually a weapon of warfare. Let me say it again. Peace is actually a weapon of warfare. And I release the peace of God that surpasses all understanding, that it would guard your heart, the things that are below the conscious level, and your mind in Christ Jesus right now. We just speak that over them right now in Jesus' name. And we say peace to you, peace to your household, peace to your coming in, peace to your going out, peace to all the things that concern you all of all of your affairs everything that concerns you we just say peace to it peace to your children peace to your family your your husband your wife peace to your job peace to your finances we speak peace to your finances right now in the name of Jesus we speak peace to your body just your health in Jesus' name, we just release peace over you in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just one more minute. Just, just pray for them one more minute. Amen. Just go ahead and let them sit down. Is there somebody in here, your last name is Logan? Logan. Somebody in here, your last name is Logan? It's not like you left your lights on or something. (laughs) Nobody in here, your last name is Logan. Okay, good. Well, let's just pray. Grab a hand with with the person next to you. And Father, we thank you for what you're doing. In the name of Jesus, we release just your insight and wisdom tonight. Amen. I want to talk to you about uh, a subject that Bill just um, he, he touched on uh, some this morning. And I've heard, heard him share uh, on the subject many, many times in the past. But I want to talk about a city under the influence of the kingdom. And I want to pick up in um, Luke chapter 13. And I've been doing this... Um, series on prophets. How many of you got to be a part of any of that? You know, I'm going to connect that. I think at least, I don't know if I'm going to have time, but I'm going to connect that. It says I have 22 seconds left. What is that? <laughs> oh, it's counting up. Oh, I see. It's adding time. Dude, this is a prophetic act right here. <laughs> I was so much older than I'm younger than that now. Someone needs to write a song about that. So I, I want to connect. I, I hope to get some time to connect um, what uh, some of the prophetic teaching to this to this uh, teaching that I'm going to share tonight. But um, I I have been really really um, thinking a lot about um, all of us have actually on on our team, and probably it's been in your heart too. Um, I've been thinking about our city. What what does it look like when the kingdom comes? And I. Had a, a, a strong conversation, um, a good conversation, um, with a with some a leader in our city, uh, in in the last few weeks, and we were, we we're we we're having this conversation. Uh, he's not a believer, and, I was, and uh, it was just a really great respectful conversation. He was sharing his dream. Um, I was just asking him, you know, what is your what's your vision for our city, and he was sharing some things that he that he had on his heart. For, for our city, just really good stuff, and and um, and he said, you know what? He started after about an hour um, talking together. He said, um, "Can I ask you a question? I've wanted to ask this question." He said, "I've actually asked about a hundred of your leaders this question." I said, "Sure, whatever." And he said, um, "What is Bethel? <laughs> like, what is Bethel about? You know why?" Are all these people coming? And what is Bethel about? And what are you guys and, and and it was related and I have to tell you that the context was about our city. So he wasn't saying like he knows Bethel's a church and he's um, he's met several of our leaders and he's friends with lots of our leaders. So he wasn't saying, you know, what's is Bethel a church? He's not he's not saying that. He was in, in reference to the context of our city, he's saying, What <laughs> Bethel's Doing all this stuff, but we can't. Nobody could can kind of figure out what. What is Bethel like? Are you like. Are you political activists, or. You, you know, are you like what are you What are you trying to do here? And uh, and he shared that he had been here a long time, and that he that he had quite a bit of anxiety over, even though he he liked, literally he's probably he probably knows personally like, thirty or forty of our leaders. He, he carries, and he said this after, he said, I carry a lot of anxiety, I've carried a lot of anxiety over what, what you guys might be and what you aren't and what you are. And so I, I started to share some stuff with him and um, I shared for about probably just 10 minutes. And he looked at me and he said, you have disarmed 33 years of anxiety of living in the city by what you just shared with me. And he said, everybody needs to hear what you guys, what you guys think you're doing and who you guys are to their city. So I have to tell you that before I share this, that I have not talked about this to, I, I, I shared a little text to Bill, but, so this, I'm gonna share this is my opinion because in fairness, in fairness, I have not sat down with our senior team and worked through all this, this and so, and, um, and I know that there's some people aren't gonna like what I have to say so I'll will, um, say this is Chris's opinion that, that's not uncommon for me to say is it this is Chris's opinion and then the stuff that I think you're gonna be really mad about I'll say the Lord told me this <laughs> it's What prophets get to do <laughs> but before that if you'll turn to Luke chapter 13 I, I want to give you just a little context for what I'm about to say and, and this is uh, these verses were very popular. Uh, Bill shared out of uh, out of these verses and this context many times in Weaverville. So this is not the, this concept um, is not at all the part. This part of the concept that I'm sh- going to share with you is, is not new to to us, to, to to Bethel, to Mountain Chapel, to our family. Um, and this is Jesus speaking about the kingdom of heaven. And, and actually, I think this is do not uh, I don't I don't um, I think it's about the third parable in a series of of parables that Jesus is talking about what what should I compare the kingdom to in verse 18 he says this so he was saying what is the kingdom of God like and to what shall I compare it to it's like a mustard seed which a man took and threw in his garden and it grew up and became a tree and the birds of the air nested in its branches verse 20 is the verse I really want to connect to again he said and what shall I compare the kingdom of God it is like leaven which a woman took and hid in three pecks of flour until it was all leavened. It's like leaven in which a woman took and hid in three pecks of flour and it was until it was all leavened. Now, I don't know a thing about cooking, baking or any of that kind of stuff. I'm actually not allowed in the kitchen. <laughs> my kids were little and my wife would go on a retreat. I remember she went on a retreat two times and both times my kids were, were little. And I remember Jason, he was probably four. As soon as Kathy walked out the door, she, he said, this is his first words out of, out of his mouth, what are we going to eat? <laughs> Seriously, that was, that's a true story. So I, I have no reputation for knowing anything about baking, cooking. And, uh, but I can cook soup, dude. And I am a master chef at the microwave. <laughs> Seriously, if you can microwave it, I don't put eggs in there <laughs> yeah and don't dry your cat in there because that'll, that'll... that's really... Uh, not good tastes like chicken though, anyway uh... <laughs> making friends right away, okay let's go on it's like leaven which a woman took and, hit, and hid in three pecks of flour until it was all leavened and this is this is about Probably for those of you that do bake, and my wife bakes, it's, it's about taking leaven, putting it in dough, as you know, and it makes the bread rise. And so, and, and Jesus is comparing the kingdom, what should I compare the kingdom to? And he says this, he shares this parable, and he said, listen, and he shares several parables, so he's kind of giving you, well, it's like this, and it, it's like this. And it's like this over here. It's like a mustard seed, a little tiny seed, but when you put it in the garden, it becomes one of the biggest plants in the garden. And it's like, and it's old. It's also like, it's like when a woman's baking and she puts a little bit of leaven in a whole bunch of flour and it makes the whole loaf rise. It's like that. And, um, and, and so, you know, we, We look at that and I'm like, okay, what what exactly does that mean? And one of the things that that I I see in there is two things. One is Jesus is talking about a certain, a a certain, if you will, aspect of the kingdom. And by the way, that's why I mentioned there's several parables about the kingdom. How many understand it's pretty hard to explain the kingdom in one parable? How many know that the kingdom has more dimensions than, than you can explain in one line, one paragraph, or with one analogy? And so, you know, oftentimes with the body of Christ, you know, we're, we're sons of God and we're the bride of Christ. How many of you know? Ladies, you're the sons of God. We are the bride of Christ. We have the same issues. We're cross-dressers. <laughs> and you know, the the kingdom's like an army, and the kingdom is like a body, and the kingdom is like a garden, and the kingdom is how many of you understand that those those are different analogies that they that when you put them all together you're supposed to get a picture of the kingdom one analogy doesn't fit the whole king the whole kingdom or does it rep- nor does it represent the whole king represent the whole kingly uh, God's God's uh, idea of the kingdom and so tonight I want to just talk about maybe just maybe it's just one aspect of the kingdom but he said but she uh, but but Jesus said it's like it's like leaven which a woman took It's interesting that it's a woman, that a woman in, uh, by the way, women didn't have any value in the days that Jesus walked the earth, so it's interesting that he is saying the kingdom is like women get involved too in the kingdom. They get involved in the kingdom, and by the way, they make the whole kingdom rise, Just like leaven, they make the kingdom rise. And by the way, Jesus did not do that by accident. If you read, if you understand the days that Jesus walked the earth, that was in your face, anti, you know, uh, what what do you call it, counterculture statement that a woman was actually part of the kingdom and that she was making the kingdom rise. So, uh, yes, come on ladies, just give it to me right here. But this part, uh, this part of the kingdom, I, I love this this aspect of the kingdom. Part of the kingdom is hidden, part of the kingdom is is not overt but covert. And I love what Chris uh, was sharing earlier, and it's just Chris. It's it's classic, Chris Overstreet. I I don't I don't know what you do with Chris Overstreet. You just like wind him up and let him go, and it's like. I don't know Jesus on steroids or something <laughs> boldness on steroids for sure and so there's there's a part of the kingdom that's, that's that's overt and and we we talk about that and I I don't think you know we I don't think anybody would think Bethel's are uh, Bethel Church nobody would describe Bethel Church as Christians in a closet <laughs> nobody so so this message you, you don't have to worry we're, we're not going in the closet but I want to talk to you about an aspect of the kingdom that maybe people wouldn't get and that is this part the kingdom is like leaven that's hidden uh, and that's hidden in flower and it makes everything rise and I'd like to share with you like you know we have um, obviously we have, we have thousands of people that come to this church I have no idea what the real number is it's, uh, there's two thousand students just it's just students plus their families. I don't know. We have like 800 children in children's church on any given Sunday. I don't. I don't. Know, I don't know how many thousands of people come to Bethel Church on any given Sunday. There's probably five, six, seven thousand people that call Bethel home, and there's 89 to 93 thousand people in our community. How many you know that that as far as um, as far as Becoming a political force in our community. We could become a political force in our community pretty easily by forcing our will on our community. Have you ever thought about this? Have you ever thought about how much we want our community to change and how in the 16 years I've been here and 18 years I think that Bill's been here, we have not one time had a single person from Bethel Church run for a political office now listen let me get, let me just be clear if you're supposed to and God tells you to please do it I, I, I'm not you understand I'm not opposed to that listen maybe you should understand I'm not opposed to that but do you understand that we proactively are not a political force? maybe you didn't think through that have you noticed the way that we've chosen to influence our community, it's called serving, generosity, giving, and finding people to love, and giving them what it is they think they need. And so, um, I um, I I shared uh, a couple of things with him. First of all, I, I want to read you something I I I uh, wrote on Facebook um, because I think it might. Uh, more quickly say what I'm trying to say I personally have no interest in Redding California becoming the Christian equivalent of Mormon Utah <laughs> I, I said this is Chris's opinion don't get me wrong I would love everyone in, in Reading Redding to know Jesus but my goal is for the kingdom to be extended into our city in such a way that it benefits believers and unbelievers alike what I mean is that I want to see believers serve our city without an agenda except to love people in felt ways. I hate the concept that I'm obligated to get people to pray a prayer, or, or, um, or that the reason I serve someone is to get them to go to church. I would hope that someone, I would hope that the fruit of people watching my life would be that they get hungry for God and get to know Him, but it's not my goal. When we make leading everyone to Christ our goal, we have an agenda and it feels like we're car salesmen with a fake interest in people so we can sell them Jesus. I don't want people to be my project or my business. I want the Kingdom to come in in every realm of life so that it rains on the righteous and the unrighteous. In other words, it benefits everyone no matter their spiritual condition or their conviction. If unbelievers discover the goodness of God as the fruit of our true love for them, that's great. If they have no interest in Jesus or are opposed to him, it shouldn't affect our ability to love or serve them. So I'm not looking for Christians to take over our city. Constantine tried that in Rome, and it was a failed experiment. By the way, isn't it interesting that people often say that, that, that Rome failed because of immorality? But actually, the, Rome split into two different, as you know, two different nations, and the nation that died first was the nation that became a Christian nation when Constantine Christianized his, his nation and made it illegal to not be a Christian 150 years later Rome fell not because of immorality but because of religion just a thought you might have one so I'm not looking for Christians to take over our city Constantine tried that in Rome and it was a failed experiment why can't we just love people the way that Daniel loved Nebuchadnezzar and be released from selling Jesus? In the end, the king met God. What an awesome fruit. But it wasn't Daniel's goal to lead his king to God. We just, he just served him in such a way that it opened Nebuchadnezzar's heart to experience God. Now, before, before you, like, you know, leave, I already know what, you're gonna, what some people are thinking because I got like 250, you know, comments. Um, but when I, when I, I you know, we, we were in business for 20 years and we owned nine businesses and started seven from scratch, and um, follow my analogy, I, I never got in business so I can make money. How many of you understand it's pretty hard to be successful if you don't make money? But my goal wasn't to make money, it was to serve people. So I had goals on how we were going to serve people. And in serving people, the fruit of serving people was that we made money. But I didn't want to make the goal of my, of my business make money. And then the people serve my goal. I wanted to serve the people and have the fruit of serving people profit. Are you with me? And I always looked at it like, if we weren't making enough profit, we probably weren't serving well enough. Or maybe there was new ways to serve people. And by the way, I am totally not against profit or money. You know, if, you, if you're a millionaire, a billionaire, it doesn't matter to me. As long as, you own, as long as you own the money and it doesn't own you. As long as the money, doesn't, the money serves you, but you don't serve the money. As long as you own the house, but the house doesn't own you. As long as you own the business, but the business doesn't own you. And I use this analogy because I, I, you know, we, I teach often in business and I, I think that especially young business people, they get in business and they're like, I'm going to make a lot of money. And I, God bless you, I hope that you do make a lot of money. But, but I think there's a difference between a Christian business and a kingdom business. In a Christian business, I, it, and I don't think there should be, but I just think there is. I see, I see business people who are Christians go into business and their goal is to make a lot of money. And I talk to them, they're like, my goal is to make a million dollars in the next 10 years. Awesome. What's your goal? My goal is to serve people so well, to do something in, in such an extraordinary way. Jesus said it this way. He said, do your works in such a way that people see your good works and they glorify your Father who is in heaven. My my, I sold auto parts. Like there isn't very many creative ways, you know. Like you know, the guy down the street sells auto parts. You know, there's there's nothing, you know. I I don't know if this is the right how to say this, but there's nothing sexy about auto parts. (laughs) Probably should thought I was trying to think of another way to say it, but you you know, there's there's like you know, you sell auto parts. You know, how do you get people like Hey, come buy auto parts at our store? You know, it's it's just nothing you know I, I look at the Carl's Jr. you know hamburger with the beautiful girl eating it and I'm like she don't eat those burgers I don't want to disappoint any of you but she don't eat those burgers Benny can tell you that she don't eat those burgers and people do all kinds of crazy stuff to like get you to buy their stuff and I'm like you know if people are that stupid you can buy burgers there you know I mean I'm not saying Carl's Jr. I'm just saying whatever you know, you you drive that car. You're not going to get that girl. I, I'm sorry, you're just not. You know that that girl doesn't go with the car, whatever. You know, you know what I'm saying? You you, you can wear that, but you're not going to look as good as that model who took eight hours to you know and you know and who photo, who got photoshopped and airbrushed after they were done with her. You know what I'm saying? You're not going to look like that. So so my goal is my goal has always been. How do I serve? How do I do something ordinary? Like auto parts is ordinary. How do I do it in a way that is the way I do it is so extraordinary? They go, That's gotta be God. Yeah. That guy seems to care about me. He doesn't seem just to want my money. I remember just simple things, and I, you know, these are just simple stories, but you know, people would come to the counter with all the stuff they wanna buy to fix their car and, and, uh, and uh, our guys would do the same and I would say, why are you buying that and that and that? and they're saying, well, because I have this problem I'd say, you don't need all that, I'd put all that back just buy this and they're saying, I should just buy it. like, that's your problem, just buy that that's all you need, you don't need $150 worth of parts you just need this are you sure? 98% of the time, that's what's wrong and by the way, that other stuff's not returnable it's all electrical parts, so you don't want to buy that stuff and worst case scenario, you buy this and then come back and get something else. But don't buy all that stuff. It's a waste of money. And the fact that people felt like they were people and not a number. See, I, I, I want you to know, like, I, you know, I was lost. I I, I, did, I, grew up in a family that didn't know Jesus. When I met Jesus, my, my whole, you know, my, I came alive. I, I want, I have a passion for people to know Jesus. I do. I do. I also hate being manipulated i don't i don't I, I don't i don 't want the you know i 'm going to be nice to you because so i can lead you to christ i i 'll tell you i don't know what you think about that i think that's sucks i'm trying to do my best to i, I, I think that if my i think it feels I think it feels like, I stepped on, I stepped, you know, I I go to buy a car, and by the way, you know, I I work with car salesmen, and there's, there's lots and lots of good ones, there's great car dealerships here, by the way, we buy... By almost all of our cars here in town, and there's great dealerships. But I'm talking about the typical, you know, stereotypical car salesman who comes up to you, and you know, you walk on onto the lot, and they're like, "Oh, I love your shirt!" You know, "Ah, where'd you buy those pants?" And I'm thinking, you could give a rip about my shirt, and you can give a rip about my pants. Can we not like? Can we not do plastic and can we not pretend? Like, if I didn't walk on this lot, you would give a rip about me, you know. And I'm not saying everybody; I'm just saying most people. And I, and I hate it, I hate the fakeness. I don't, I don't want to be, I, I just want, listen, you're, you're here to sell cars, I'm here to buy one, so let's just, can we just keep it real? Can we not, can you not pretend like you have to like me because you need to sell a car? I don't like that. And so what would happen, what would happen if you just actually loved people? No, I mean, it's a whole new concept, like you just actually did. No, I mean, you did because you just did. Uh, All of us that have children know exactly what I'm talking about. Like, I have a plan for my kids, you know? Like, I want them to be successful. I want them to serve God. I want them to love God. I want all of that. But you know what? You know why I love them? If you do, would you tell me? Because I have no idea. Like, I just love them. When they came out, I just love them. (laughs) You know, I say, I, I can't say I love you because you're a great basketball player. I love you because you're beautiful. Because the truth is, if you were ugly, I'd still love you. If you were a drug addict, I would still love you. If you acted like a complete idiot, I have no idea why. Listen, this is supernatural, I would still love you. Now if you weren't my kid, I can't say that, it's true. I'm just being real, like I struggle. Like Dan says he's never met someone he didn't love. I, I can't say that's true. I, I, I'd say, you know one of these days I wanna be like Dan, I'm following Dan so that I can be like that someday. But if there's something inside of me, there's something inherent in loving your children that tells you how God loves you. Like, I do do want them to do well, but I don't love them so they will. Like, it's so non-manipulative. Like, I don't love them so they will. I just love them. And there's something so freeing in leading people to Christ because they, you actually love them instead of because you're s- under some compulsion like if I don't do it any second third, you know, it's like I understand there's another side of the story, Chris can come up and preach that, next Sunday you can come and preach because I, I love truth and tension and I think that all truth lies in tension and I realize that this message needs tension and we had it when Chris came up because I, I do believe that you know uh, there's, there is a reality that people that don't know Christ are going to hell, and how can you not be compelled to lead people to Christ who, who are going to hell? I understand that. On, on the other side of that is that, that um, when you make people your project instead of your love, it, they know it. Right. They can feel it. That's right. And so I love bold love, and, and, I, and I love when the Holy Spirit is leading us, and I have no problem... You know, I, I I would say, you know, I, I, I don't I don't have much fear of people, so I, it's not. It wouldn't be hard for me to stand up in a plane and say, "Who doesn't know Jesus?" I can tell you, like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying I wouldn't have a little anxiety, but it it I wouldn't keep me from doing it. I, I do fear people, but most of the people I fear, one's at home tonight, and the other's sitting in the front row. I mean, that's <laughs> pretty much it. <laughs> Bill can tell you that's pretty true. You know, it's like, I I don't have a lot of fear of people, which is a problem. can be a problem. I was in a plane not too long ago, and a person was acting like a complete idiot to the stewardess. He was like six rows up, and I just stood up, and I said, Can you just be quiet and sit down? And Kathy looked over at me like, I'm not sure that was your role to say that. At least I didn't say Jesus' name. I didn't want him to know I was a Christian at the time. I have been known for people sitting in my row being rude to the stewardess to say, that was really rude. Is there any reason why you're treating her like that? And my wife saw. Please don't tell her you're a pastor. I'm not. I'm a prophet. I get to do this. Please, that was a joke. That's nothing to do with any office. It just has to do with just you know. So, so, so I live in this tension. of I, I want everyone to find Jesus. I, if you, if you, if you heard, if you knew me, then you, this wouldn't even be a question. But I'm all, obviously, we're speaking to lots and lots of people who don't know us from the podium, and so you would know that. In the midst of that, I, I, I want to, I want to honor people where they're at, and I, and I actually believe that Jesus is the Savior of the world and not me, and that I need to actually to be led by the Spirit because. It, what I can do in my zeal is actually push people away who, who have a little bit of hunger for God, and I, uh, you know, I dump the whole gospel on them, and they're like, Dude, I don't want any, anything else to do with you. And so, um, so I, I, I believe in boldness, I also believe in wisdom, and I believe in being led by the Spirit. And I, and I, and I, think, that, I think that we would lead a lot more people to Christ if they just saw that we actually love them. And I remember um, some years ago. I'll, I'll be careful because we're streaming, and I, I can hear my wife in my head right now. <laughs> we made these new friends. Uh, I was working at this place, and this guy worked there, and and he said, "Hey, we're, we're having some friends over, and and we'd really love to have you come over. You know, we really admire you." And da da da. And I'm like, "Oh, that's cool, you know." And I mean, we were like married a year, so Kathy and I go over to this really beautiful house. It was, you know. It was, probably a million dollar house was, and there, was, there were several people gathered like a home group. I'm like, oh this is cool, you know, and they said, yeah we're having some friends over and so you know, so we, you know, they, we, we ate and stuff and then, and then it, um, after we ate, they said, oh let's gather around and you know I thought we were going to gather around and play some games and, and then it turned out it was a a certain multi-level marketing meeting three times I've been invited to that, those marketing meetings over 15 years same company every time I'm invited to my friend's house to find out that actually has nothing to do with being a friend it has to do with buying a product or selling it to people and all three times I've walked out feeling completely manipulated that wasn't real you tricked me and if i would have signed up out of you know some people you know they don't do confrontation and so they pray a prayer with you but nothing happens and as chris said you know the other day there's there's no magic in the prayer it's all about heart and so there's a lot of people you know that are walking around that have prayed a prayer because they don't know how to say no you know they don't they don't know how to say no you know some of us don't have too much trouble saying no but you know they don't, they don't know how to say no and they don't want to embarrass you and they're like, okay, I'll pray the prayer with you and you walk. I led five people to Christ and I'm like, some of those people got just enough of Jesus to be inoculated from the real thing. And by the way, nobody prayed a prayer in the Bible to receive Christ. Show me one place where anybody prayed a prayer to receive Christ. I'd propose to you they got baptized as a sign of following Christ. And by the way, they didn't convert people to Christianity, they had followers of Jesus and the way you knew that they were following Jesus is that they were following. It's a very interesting concept. They were like, Jesus following. So, so anyway, I, I know where I'm trying to go. I, I do feel some anxiety up here for obvious reasons. But, but the, the, the concept that I, I pray for somebody to get, you know, Philip is a great example. He's with the eunuch, and, and, he's, and the eunuch is hungry for God because he's reading the Bible. And, you know, and Philip goes, hey, do you understand what you're reading? This is the only named evangelist in the Bible, by the way. And he goes, no. He goes, well, let me just take you through it. And he says, and he took him through the scriptures. We don't know what he said to him, but we do know this when they got close to water he said is that enough water for me to be baptized in he didn't say can I pray a prayer so we know that the early church baptism had something to do with acknowledging that you were following Christ I understand that on a plane it's a little hard you know let's go back in the toilet you flush I'll put you in there (laughs) guy comes out with blue hair you're like you're a Christian You know, I don't know. This isn't going so well. I had something completely different pictured in my head. Hey, you know... I guess this has been debated for for you know maybe hundreds, maybe thousands of years. You know what does it look like when the kingdom comes in our city? And and I, and I think does it mean like we you know we develop a Bethel political group and we take every seat in city council and every seat in in you know in the in the in the school system. And you know, and we, you know, we, and we, like, we just take over our city. When you come to our city, we have all the political power, and we have so many people, we have so many students that you know, we just fill every city council meeting. Uh, you know, to, you know, there's only 200 seats there, and we tell our students, "Hey, there's a city council meeting, and we're gonna, we want to pass this thing. Fill the place up. You know what? Just don't let anybody else get there early, by the way. And it's part of your class, so you know, you, we'll check in at the door. You know." And it's like you know we could literally do that. I don't know if you know this, but just to share share with you some of our heart, when we when we wanted to um, when we wanted to take the civic over, and by the way, that was that was that that was for the city. The city was losing the civic auditorium. We need we did need a place to grow our school, but the, you know, let me just I'll just tell you this: the school pays just to just to the civic three. 750,000 dollars, three quarters of a million dollars rent, four times what that place is worth. And why do we do that? Because we want to see that we want to serve our city. We want to see the civic open. and then we only have it for 10 months a year. So figure that out, that's 72,000 dollars a month, and then we only have it half days, four days. Figure out how much that is an hour, and tell me that we're doing it just for the school could go rent the building very easily for that. So when we, we developed a plan to, to take the, the civic auditorium, to lease the civic auditorium from the city to help the city so we wouldn't lose that because here we are trying to gain ground in our city, help our city to be a destination, a place where people come to, to, to experience the kingdom and every aspect of the kingdom. And we, you know, and we don't want to go backwards. We don't want to lose things we have. And so we just began to think about ways to, um, to how can we help our city. We just we ask all the time how can we help our city. Eric and I had a conversation again this week. How can we help our city? Like what are the felt needs of our city? Without an agenda, without a hey, you know what? If we help you, will you close the abortion clinic? If we help you, will you? It's like no, no agenda. So we get to um, we have to go to city council, and and there is a quite a up you know, we have cheerleaders cheering against us. And, and, and in the city council uh, room holds about 200 people, about, and um, we said to all of our people, and so we have to go to city council to get this plan approved to take over the civic auditorium. And there's, uh, there's about 10 other groups trying to take the building over also. Um, and so we go to the city council meeting, but we ask all of our people, Please, nobody come. We don't want you to come. Don't, we don't want any Bethel people at the city council meeting because we trust that God has put the city council members in there. Uh, the, we honor them as ministers of God. And we pray for wisdom for them and we pray that they'll know the right thing to do and if this is the right thing to do then we trust that God will will turn their hearts the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord and like water he turns it whatever way he wishes wishes. so what we don't want to do and we said to our people what we don't want to do is apply political pressure like it's gonna cost you your, your career if you don't give us the civic so consequently none of our people showed up except for four of us who were giving a presentation and all of them showed up and it was um It was a pretty pretty fun day. (laughs) 32 of them spoke before us. And and probably 25 of them um, spoke against us and the rest had their own plan. And ultimately, we just, you know, Charlie and I and, and the team, Sherry, I think, and there was somebody else there, Julie Winters. We just sat back and we listened and we just said, and, and my presentation, I started the presentation and I said, if this isn't the best plan, please feel free to choose whatever plan you think is the best plan. Because all we want to do is help our city. And we developed a PowerPoint and a plan and when we got all done they said, no one else seems to have a plan everyone else just seems to have an opinion. This, if anyone else has a plan, please share it because what we've heard is 30, 31, 32 opinions but we've heard no plan. And consequently, we ended up with the civic. What I'm getting at is this. We didn't apply political pressure to them. We just said, we're here to serve you. We think we have a great plan. If you don't think this is a great plan, give it to somebody else. But please don't let it close because that's not good for our city. Am I making any sense to you? And so, you know, we have have worked, when I say we worked hard, Uh, we've we've worked hard to build trust with our city because Christians are typically they 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 serve their city typically for an agenda with an agenda I mean so typically they're like looking for something they want something there you know it's like do this do that and let's you know let's um let's 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 use our force to change people from the outside in and we're like, let's use our influence to help people see the kingdom from the inside out so they see how good the king is and they want the king. When I was young, Mario Marillo was one of my very favorite creatures and he said one time, you know, if you, have, if you have something so amazing, you don't have to shove it down people's throat, they will steal it. Sometimes I'm concerned that we don't know that our product is the best. Sometimes I think we think there's even a close second. And I wonder if if we just demonstrated the goodness of a a loving king in our own life and our families. I wonder how many people would want our king if they just knew how much he loved them. In fact, God had an evangelistic plan in the Old Testament. He said to Israel, I'm going to treat you so awesome, the nations around are going to go, wow, that's amazing. What God do you serve? Okay, we'll serve Him. And it was called, his his evangelistic plan was called jealousy. No, look it up. It's called the jealous evangelistic plan. God goes, I'm going to bless you and the ends of the earth will know it and they'll come running and they'll come say, and they'll come say hey, uh, teach us the ways of the Lord. It doesn't say, you'll go and shove it down their throat. It says, you'll rise and shine and they'll come. Um, let me tell you what that requires. It requires you to actually have a successful marriage and not just talk about one. This is deep people doing seminars on marriage don't even have marriage sometimes so you know it's like hey let me tell you how to raise your kids oh you mean those two brats in your front yard no thank you i you know i've seen how your children behave you know it's like anyway that's just my opinion <laughs> um uh, uh, I like the idea of I like the idea of being hidden in a way well let me say this I would never hide because I'm afraid me personally it's not my personality type I understand that God makes all kinds of different people and I value the people in this room like you know you're shy and you know the speaking to other people is is tough and I have areas of my life that you know freak me out too so I'm not like oh I got it all together I don't but talking to people is not a problem about pretty much anything I mean I talk about sex from up here not a problem people like they cover their heads with their bible and I'm still talking I'm having a good time not a problem at all so 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 when I tell you like you know like, like I like I like just serving people and loving people and then when they go, you know, well, how come you're so successful? I say, well I say, actually now they go, are are you a Christian? I go, no, I'm a follower of Jesus. <laughs> I just, I've just been doing that lately because sometimes Christian and follower of Jesus <laughs> used to be, you know, they used to be synonymous and I'm not sure they are anymore. So, anyway. um. I had this uh, prophetic word uh, a while back I shared here um, and, and I, I think it kind of typifies what I'm trying to say tonight and that is, you know, I, uh, in fact let me read you this part of the word. Um, it's about Rolls-Royce. Rolls-Royce was founded in 1906 by Henry Rolls and Charles Royce. Uh, I'm sorry, Henry, uh, Henry Royce and Charles Rolls. And Rolls-Royce began as an aircraft engine manufacturing company. And Rolls-Royce was powered about half the planes flown by the allies and now Rolls Royce builds cars. Now, um, the, the reason I'm sharing that with you is I, I had this encounter with the Lord. This part is a prophetic word. This part, uh, you, it needs to be judged, but it, it isn't my opinion. It is a word that I felt the Lord gave me uh, a few months ago. I felt like the Lord um, uh, said, in fact, he, he, he gave me a vision and, and in the vision I saw Um, I I saw Rolls-Royce and I saw these engines being put in power plants and in cars and in boats and in You you know in planes and in ships and which they are now And and I felt like the Lord and and I and I saw this this vision in fact Let me read it to you. I had this vision of mothers and fathers uh, Politicians and policemen, pastors and prophets, educators and doctors, scientists and inventors, artists and actors All seated into the very fabric of society and written over all their hearts was powered by Bethel Metaphorically speaking, we never build build politicians, nurses, engineers, scientists But we build the engines that propel them And I I had this dream, I had this vision, it was in a dream I had this vision that we were building engines that people were putting in all kinds of different chassis, that we were building power plants for the for for uh, to to make electricity for cities, and we were building engines for cars, and we were and we were building engines for planes and for for boats and for electronic plants and all these different things, and every one of them had this little symbol on it that said Rolls Royce, and I, I and I felt like the Lord said I. Uh, and this is to be judged I felt like the Lord said you're not the, you don't build cars you don't build planes I don't want you to build I don't want you to build ships I don't want you to build I don't want you to build I don't want you to build these things I want you to build engines and th- they will take that engine and they will put it in every area of society and obviously we know this isn't about Bethel this is about the king and the kingdom this is about politicians will come here and they will get the kingdom They will get to King. Maybe some of them will become politicians, some of them will already be politicians. And they come here and they're looking for, they have the chassis, they have the vision, they have everything they need. They just need the engine. You you know, like you look, most of our computers, you know, you look it up and it says, you know, powered by Intel. You know, I don't know if Intel builds a computer. Maybe they do, I don't know. But let's just say they don't. It's like you open your computer up, it's powered by Intel. It's like, Intel's everywhere, it's in every computer, and it's like, I just have this, I have a sense, it's like, that we, what we're called, I'm not saying the whole body is, I'm trying to say this is our DNA. I love what um, Peter McHugh said. He said, when, uh, let me just read it to you, it's, it's a better quote than I can think of. Guess I won't find it. He said, when I get to heaven, yeah, I won't, I won't find it. But he said, he was talking about himself. His name's Peter McHugh. He said, when I get to heaven, God's not going to say, Why were you not Moses? He's going to say, Why were you not Peter? Why were you not Peter McHugh? Why did you not become fully Peter? And what I'm getting at is that everybody, like I, I think that, that it takes all kinds of different metaphors to display what the kingdom of God, what the kingdom of heaven is like, what the kingdom of God is like. The kingdom of God is like this, and it's like this, and it's like this, and it's like this, and it's like this. And, like this. and I think different parts of the body demonstrate different parts of the kingdom. And I think there are people that are that are that are you know that are overtly um, that are called to be overt protesters of. Righteousness. John the Baptist is a great example. And I think there's other people that are they're needed in society, and if you will, they're hidden in the dough of society. And in the dough of society, all of society rises. Why? Because behind the scenes, behind where nobody knows, behind the scenes, everybody knows Pharaoh, everybody knows everybody knows Nebuchadnezzar, but behind the scenes is a Daniel behind the scenes is a Joseph and, and if you look at the, the especially the book of Daniel we have so much more about Daniel in, in his life his, per, his private life with the king you never see Daniel uh, at least in the book you don't see Daniel trying to introduce him to the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob in fact to the fourth chapter of Daniel when Daniel's already served the king for many years the king calls him Daniel, the son of the gods, plural. He thinks Daniel is a polytheist. He served him several years, and he still doesn't know that Daniel only serves one God. And yet, guess what happens? He loves Daniel's gift. And when the king has a dream that troubles him, he says, oh Daniel, whom is the spirit of the gods? And then Daniel says, listen, let me tell you something. I serve a god. Not God's, who knows the secrets of men's hearts? And let me tell you the meaning of the vision, the meaning of the dream. And he begins to tell Nebuchadnezzar about his first dream. And you know, the first dream, the king's going to kill everybody if he doesn't, if he doesn't, if some, if one of his wise men don't tell him the dream and the meaning of the dream. And the second dream, he has another another dream about this tree, and the and the tree gets cut down, and it's just a stump. Do you remember that? And for seven seasons, whatever that means, for seven, for, for, for seven seasons, the tree is, 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 you know, fruitless. It's just a stump. And then suddenly God restores it. And, you know, Nebuchadnezzar is the one having the dreams. It's not Daniel. Mm, let's see if I can get, get you to understand where I'm going. This is the old covenant, right? We live in a new covenant where it rains on the righteous and the unrighteous. In the old covenant, it didn't even rain on the unrighteous. The unrighteous were, were enemies. I mean, we celebrate David and Goliath. You realize David and Goliath is about a story... We teach this in Sunday school. It's, it's a story about David killing people who didn't love God. That's the old covenant. We teach our... Ch- <laughs> anyway. In that covenant, in that old covenant, when, when the king has a bad dream about himself... And Daniel has to interpret the dream. Daniel is a POW. His family has been taken captive. Probably maybe many of them killed. His country has been destroyed. His temple that he worshipped has been torn down. And he's a POW in Babylon. In Babylon, and in the middle of that. The king has a dream about himself and the dream is for seven years your mind's going to be taken away Why because you're arrogant and because you haven't you haven't honored God? And when Daniel when the king explains the dream to Daniel Daniel says the first thing Daniel says I wish that this dream was about your enemies And it wasn't about you And the king said tell me listen don't be afraid tell me anyway and Daniel interprets the dream in which the king loses his mind and then he says to the king, even after all that, he goes, listen maybe if you humble yourself, God will relent and you know what happens, he, Nebuchadnezzar humbles himself for a year or so, but then he stands on the top of his castle and he's like, I built all this, I'm awesome, don't I rock? and he loses his mind for seven seasons whatever that means and finally he comes out of it just as Daniel interpreted the dream he comes out of the out of the dream I'm sorry out of the out of this you know his state of mind his complete insanity the Lord gives him his mind back and the first thing he does Nebuchadnezzar is he honors the God of heaven why did he do that? because he met a man who loved him in spite of all of his crazy stuff building statues to himself, making his friends Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego bow down to him, destroying his homeland, doing all that but in spite of all that, he had a supernatural love for a king and he served the king, to his, he served the king for the king's benefit and in doing so, he won a king not through his words but he took the experience he, he invited the king into an experience with the King of Kings and the Lord of lords i don 't think it 's the only way I just think it 's one way that we would become Daniels that we would become Josephs that we would be people needed into society so that whether you know God or love God or you don 't want to know God and love God or love God that we serve you, and so that we don 't become the Mormon Utah, we become a place where, where we're known to love everyone. No matter no matter their position on politics or on the kingdom. It doesn't mean we, we shouldn't tell them what we think. It's just that we should treat them with honor. We should honor them. I, I don't know if this is a new concept to some people. It didn't go well on Facebook. <laughs> I, I think it would be, I, I think, and I'm just, can I just talk to you from my heart for a minute? I, I just want to say this. I think that if people knew that I was not using this message to cover my fear of talking to people about Jesus, it would be easier for them. Because that, that's not a problem for me. So I think I think sometimes people think, well you're just trying to, like, you're, you're, you're a closet Christian and you just don't want to let people know you're a Christian. I'm like, no, I have no problem at all telling people I'm a Christian, you know, letting people know I love Jesus. No, it's, if it's a king or a pauper, it matters not to me. But I really, really want us to serve our city just because. Just because we love them. Just because. I think it's a really cool strategy. Okay, you love me, what do you want? Nothing, I don't want anything. I think people are so used to being marketed. They don't even know what to do when you just actually love them. Without an agenda I, 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 they, it, like they still like five years later're still trying to figure out now now now, why are you doing this? why are you helping us I don't, when we love you, yeah, but yeah, I understand you love us, but why when are you going to ask for the sale and so I told this man, back to this conversation, I said um he said, so what's Bethel? I said, Bethel builds Roll, Rolls Royce engines. We, we, we develop kingdom mindsets that benefit people and we put them in all areas of society and we have, no, we, have, we have no desire to make this a Mormon Utah. If we wanted to do that, do you not think that we would have done it a long time ago? Do you not think that I could find one student to run for office? He, I said, just think through this with me. Do you not think that I, we could get our people in office if we wanted to force our will on society on this little town with 6,000 people in our church? Do you not think we can get one person elected if that was our goal?" He said, I never thought of that, but I can tell you one thing, you just disarm 33 years of anxiety. And he said, if people knew in our city, that people who didn't know God knew that you were actually serving the city because you love the city, it would dispel years of anxiety. Because people think you have another motive. He said, Everybody, everybody I talk to loves you guys and doesn't trust you. Because nobody treats anyone this good without an agenda. That's what he said. What he said. Nobody treats anybody this good without an agenda. It's the king. Jesus had lots of followers. And um he's our model is he not and you know this guy comes to him and says hey what do I have to do you know he doesn't use the word kingdom, what do do I have to do to be alright with God he said I don't know what does the law say to you he says do this, 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 this and this he said good well do that you'll be fine the guy goes wait a second I did that I'm not satisfied like there's something missing in my life I see it in you listen, I know I'm adding to it but the connotation is Jesus doesn't tell him like, hey do this, do that, do this, do this do this, do this, and you will and he just goes, well what's it say to you, what's the law say to you you know the law, yeah, what's it say to you, it says do this, 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 this okay, we'll do that, and you'll be fine the young man goes I did all that, and I'm not fine he goes, well, if you want if you want more Sell everything you have and follow me. He didn't start there. The guy had a lot of money and he said, I've got to go home and think about that. (laughs) Think, I'll think about that. But my point is, you know, Jesus is preaching and he says, eat my flesh and drink my blood and people leave. I'm almost done. People start leaving. You don't think Jesus goes, wait, 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 time out. It's just a metaphor. It's just a metaphor. Whoa, whoa, whoa wait, come back, listen, I spent three years building this church. And he turns to the disciples, are you guys leaving? And I think it was Peter who says, where are we going to go? I think the connotation is sold everything, nowhere to go. (laughs) This is just my opinion, but I think Peter's probably thinking, hey, if you would have shared this message first, we wouldn't be here. You know, I'm just trying. Listen, I'm just trying to contrast. I understand that there's, there's, a, there's that we we normally preach the other side of this. But Jesus doesn't feel nervous about people following him. That's my point. He doesn't feel nervous. He doesn't feel like I really, really need you guys. Don't leave, please. Oh, Father, I had so many and then I lost them. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know if he had the Monday morning blues. Oh, I wish I wouldn't have preached that message. I wish I wouldn't have used that. I wish I wouldn't have said "sucks." You know, he, he wouldn't have said "sucks," but in Hebrew, whatever that is, <laughs> I'm a Greek or whatever. I wish would, You know, I wish I wouldn't have done that. You know, like like some of us preachers, like I do sometimes. I'm like, oh, I wish I would have did that. You know, I, I don't. Jesus doesn't. I, are you with me? Jesus doesn't seem nervous about getting people to follow him. He doesn't seem nervous about it he doesn't seem like he's like has a lot of anxiety about it and he's hanging out with sinners and he's making friends with them and you know when they run out of wine the sinners he makes wine I don't know people are like well he didn't make wine he made grape juice well now the passage makes no sense most people serve the good grape juice first I don't know how you fix that I've never been grape juiced out you know it's like well you know go over Bill's house like man this is some good grape juice oh this is some really good grape juice why didn't you serve this first no the Greek word there is something like metros and it means drunk And you know Jesus made wine for people who were drunk he's hanging out with sinners and making wine for people because his mother told him to you know this is like this is just Jesus you know just Jesus and sometimes he's totally he's totally uh, you know overt like he's turning over tables and he's you know you know angry with people and he's saying you're, you're you know you're messing with my father's house you know you've made my father's house a place of business stop it and other times he's like you know people seem like you know he, he, you know seem like they really want to follow him and he's like no nah, no nah, you know just go back I mean the guy that the gathering man you know the gathering man thousand demons he gets delivered he wants to follow Jesus Jesus goes no nah, no, nah, go back home we'd be like oh yeah another member you gotta go to the membership class fire starters and <laughs> you know I'm not against any of that I'm simply saying can, I, can you just hear my heart I'm simply saying Jesus doesn't seem nervous he seems like he's trusting the people he trusts the Father to touch people and to bring them to a place, and I'd like to propose to you that we are one touch in people's life. Maybe two. Maybe maybe we know these people. Maybe we have a relationship with them. But it's the, but it's the Father. It's it's who's the Savior. Jesus is the Savior of the world. And so, you know, if you could just put that, you know, in in, in you know, it, you know, put it put it in the, in with everything else you know. And if you know, if you are sitting on a plane with someone and, and you feel compelled to tell them about Jesus, don't remember this message. Just tell them about Jesus and pray a prayer with them and get them saved and baptized in the Holy Spirit and healed no I'm serious I am I'm, I, I'll do it I'm riding on a plane on Tuesday if, if I'm sitting next to somebody and the Lord says tell them about me I will tell them about him And I'll, I'm just trying to say that the, this kingdom it can't be represented by one metaphor some of the kingdom is hidden and it makes all of society rise and some of the kingdom is like a mustard seed that just gets big and goes I'm over here I'm over here I'm bigger than all you guys I'm totally overt and some of the kingdom is totally covert and it's all the kingdom and okay well now what do I do I'll be led by the spirit cause when you get done with this message you won't know what to do you won't want what to do, but I bet we all agree on this. Even if you didn't like my message, we should love people no matter what. No matter what, they shouldn't feel like they're in a network marketing program when they come to your house. And I didn't use their name, so God bless them. Would you stand and pray for you? <laughs> Only two people walked out. (laughs) Hey, better than Jesus. He said, greater works than you'll do. I'm like, there it was right there. (laughs) Father, I didn't lose anyone except for the two that you predetermined. (laughs) And who knows how many people turned off iBethel TV and turned in the (laughs) the front row's like, man i would just really i would just re- what would happen if we were just compelled just to love our city listen even if you're listen even if you don't agree with the message you're like i'm you know jesus is is telling me and i i need to tell everyone i meet about him i'm like that's awesome just let's just make sure we really love people that we really do like that that people aren't If they're offended, they're offended. But they'll walk away knowing that you were compelled by love. That there was nothing else on your agenda except for you were compelled by love. Not by fear and not by bragging rights to your friends. You were just compelled by love. And so Jesus, we just pray right now that you would, you just fix this message. (laughs) Just make it what you want it to be, Lord, seriously that you would need us into society that we would make all of society rise that we would arise and shine that all of society, that Reading would become so loved by the King that people from everywhere would come here to see what a city is like that's totally and completely loved by the King. From evil people to righteous people, that everyone is truly and completely loved by the King. And God, I pray that every single person, I pray that people that drive through our city, that they would feel like they drove, drove through a love tunnel, yeah highway 5 grace the highway of grace when they drive through our city they'll be like "Ah, I felt tickled (laughs) this place tickles me Lord I just pray I pray for our city officials I pray for those that you put in power whether they know you or they don't our educational people and their teachers everyone that they would That they would know the love of God that is beyond comprehension. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.